Well, good morning. Um, if you haven't had a chance to meet me yet, my name's Mark. I'm the pastor here at Union Church, and it's great to be with you today as we worship and glorify the Lord together. Just also want to say welcome to our online audience this morning. We're glad you're here with us. If we haven't had a chance to meet, I look forward to, to when that time comes. But we're glad you guys are with us today. If it's your first time checking out Union Church, we hope you'll kind of get a sense of, of who we are today with our, with our live stream. All right. Today we are starting a new series, a short series, and it's a series on rest. Series on rest. So, I don't know, maybe we should like turn off the lights and we can just lie down for a nap for a minute. No, some of y'all do that anyway. I see you. Let me just ask you, is anybody here tired? I'll admit it, right? Not a surprise. Now, now there may be some people here and, and you... You're alarming off this morning and you just leapt out of bed and you said, ah, I feel so good and so refreshed and so rested and energized. You know, I don't even need to turn on the coffee pot today because that might put me into energy overload. There may be some like that here this morning, but I suspect that many of us aren't feeling that way this morning. Because we seem to live in a world that leaves us feeling exhausted and tired. Some of us are feeling exhausted and and tired even now. And and you don't, you know, you don't need me to tell you. We we live in a world where we contend, you know, with many, with many contending things in our life, many demands in our life that, that give us a sense of stress or that make us feel overcommitted or which stretch us in many different ways. And, and it leaves us as kind of weary people. And I think, you know, we're just at this point in the 21st century where, where many of us are living in this overstretched way. And kind of what I mean by that overstretch, it's like if you, if you thought of a rubber band, you know, you can, you can like, it has its form and then you can stretch it and then it returns to its form and you can do that. But if you stretch that rubber band too far, you know, it's either going to break or it's kind of going to begin to lose its form. It won't always go back to its, to its natural form. And I think for some of us, sometimes that's how we feel, like we're overstretched. That's what I mean when I, when I say that, we begin to kind of lose our our shape, and, and maybe you feel that way, stretched or stressed rather than rested and refreshed. Now, as followers of Jesus, when we are living in a, a stretched or a stressed way, we tend to be living in a way that we don't want to live. We don't want to live that way. We don't want to feel that way. We're kind of depriving ourselves uh, of things that really matter to us of values that really matter to us. When we are tired or stressed or stretched, we, we don't end up loving other people the way that we want to love them. And we don't end up loving God the way that we want to love Him. And it's not, because we've, it's not because we've changed our beliefs or our values, but, you know, just the demands and the pressures begin to take a toll on our souls. So, that's what we're talking about today. 
soul weariness, or maybe another way to say it is like soul stress. And, and soul weariness or soul stress, I mean, it can be, and, and sometimes it is the result of, of circumstantial uh, or, or of circumstances in our life. They're, they're kind of acute circumstances that, that come up. Maybe it's a, an illness. Maybe it's the death of a loved one. Maybe you're moving. Moving's very stressful, you know, but these are, these are temporary things that happen and they kind of stress us out or they wear us out, but then they're over. But I think what many of us experience is, is more of an ongoing chronic soul stress, soul weariness. And, and that's, that's another thing altogether when it when it's chronic when it's not just a temporary thing that happens but it but it's on ongoing from our life of all the things that need to be done you know we're bombarded by by deadlines um, that are they're upon us there there's always decisions that have to be made you know sometimes that that's one of those things that really kind of stretches and stresses me is you know decision fatigue um, you know, always, always something to decide, to determine some responsibility with that. You know, these things, sometimes, sometimes these things are exacerbated by uh, maybe a difficult home environment, maybe by a financial lack that you're dealing with, uh, challenging decisions and responsibilities that you have. We all have things going on in our life that can leave us feeling soul weary and soul stretched and stressed. And they work to our detriment. Now, there's a really good verse. It's one of my favorite verses. It's in Proverbs 4, verse 23. And there it says, Guard your heart above all else, because it determines the course of your life. Now, this is Solomon. You know, he was the, the wisest person reminding us that the condition of our, of our heart, and I think here it sort of means our soul, the condition of our soul, that it really matters and that it does kind of determine our future. That's what Solomon's telling us there. And so, like I said, today we're kicking off this series, just short series, just three weeks, right? Looking at, looking at what it means to find rest in a weary world, to, to make sure that our heart and our soul is taken care of and is setting a good course for our lives. And today, specifically, I'm going to be talking about rest for our souls. Rest for our souls. Now, for those of us who feel like we don't have enough hours in the day, you ever feel that way? Just not enough hours in the day to get everything done, right? Or, or there's just too much to juggle, too many different demands to juggle, um, maybe we have a, a sense of inner restlessness or a sense of heaviness in our hearts. Or for those of us who, who may feel that we're just out of energy to love or to care for other people or to serve in the way that we want to serve. For those of us who feel that maybe our, our, our relationship with God has a, a sense of stagnation or staleness to it. You know, for, for any of us who can identify with those kinds of situations, let me tell you, there is good news. There's good news, right? Because Jesus knows about your soul, and Jesus knows about my soul, and, and he knows about the pressures and the demands of your life that weigh heavy upon you. 
And he knows the kind of impact that those pressures and demands can have on us. And he knows about people who feel rushed and tired and pressured and stretched and anxious and distracted and frustrated and afraid and disconnected from God. He knows. He knows about your soul. And brothers and sisters, he doesn't only know, but he cares about your soul. He cares. And y'all, that's good news. That's good news that Jesus cares about our soul. Amen? Yeah. And he cautions us to look out for our soul because he knows how important it is. And he knows that the condition of our soul kind of shapes the course of our life, as Solomon said. And, and that's why Jesus says this and in Matthew chapter 11. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that a wonderful verse? He doesn't say, come to me, all who are weary and, and burdened, and I will help you to try harder. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, come to me and I will give you solutions so that you can um, fix more things and fit more into your day. He doesn't say that. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. Isn't that wonderful? And he goes on to say, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. What a wonderful invitation from Jesus to each one of us this morning. Now, a couple of things I want to just draw out of, that, out of that text. The first is this, that God's heart is for rest. God's heart is for rest. We, we tend to think of, you know, we tend to think of rest in kind of a one-dimensional way, like in a physical way, that rest is a physical thing. I mean, it is a physical thing. But, but if you were to picture rest, if I were to say, imagine what does rest look like for you, you might imagine something like sitting on the couch or the sofa with a beverage watching TV, right? That's kind of a nice way to spend some time. You might think of rest like taking a nap. I'm a napper. I mean, that's a good... That, that's a nice picture for me to think about rest. You might think about being on a, a lounge chair on the beach or by the pool, you know, soaking in the rays of the sun. Any of those sound good? Yeah, I mean, that might be how we would picture rest, but all of those are physical pictures of, of rest. And rest is a physical thing, it is, but it's even more than that. Rest is also a spiritual thing. God offers us so much more than just the physical. And Jesus spells it out, right? He says, come to me and I will, I will give you rest for your souls. Not just for your bodies, but for your souls. So rest is a soul word. It's, it's even more than just a physical word. It's a soul word. And, and this, is the kind of, you know, this is the kind of rest for our hearts and minds that means we can stop and we don't have to worry all the time. We don't have to strive to have our lives perfectly ordered all of the time, right? We don't have to feel guilty 
all of the time because Jesus says, you can have rest for your souls. Rest for your souls, that's what he's talking about. Now, now what does that rest look like? What does soul rest look like? Well, I'm gonna give you two pictures. I'm gonna give you a picture of what it doesn't look like and then I'll give you a picture of what it does look like. The first picture is this. I, I, I wish I had thought to like get this in the get this on the screen this morning, but I didn't, I didn't think to do it. But I can remember seeing a video. You may have seen something like this before, but it was a video online and it's a video from a cruise ship, you know, the, the big white cruise ships. And, and it's a video somebody's making on their, on their mobile phone and it's in like a, like a lounge, maybe like a piano bar or something on the ship, kind of high up on the decks of the ship. And from the video, you see a panoramic windows. You can see all out from this room. And out the windows, what you see are dark clouds and whipping wind and humongous waves. And the ship very slowly is like, is like a turning or it's uh, tilting, you know, to one side, I mean, a lot. And then very slowly tilting back the other side, you know, really steep tilt. And then all the furniture in that room that's at least not attached to anything is every time the ship tilts, all this furniture is sliding from one side of the room to the other. And as it slides and crashes violently into the other wall, like you hear people in the background on the video and they're kind of like, they're kind of like screaming and moaning. And then finally the person making the video is like, time to go. You know, I like, need to get out of this room. <laughs> I think, I mean, it's kind of an amazing picture. I don't think I would enjoy that cruise very much. We probably wouldn't. And I think that, that image is like, it's like a picture of a restless soul, of a weary soul, right? And then if you think to scripture, you know, there's a text about Jesus it's another boat image. And Jesus is in a boat in a storm. And apparently a lot of people on the boat are kind of like those people on the cruise, right? Maybe some moaning and groaning and screaming. And you remember what Jesus was doing? He was sleeping on a boat in the storm. He was sleeping. And so in contrast to the restless soul, I think that is the picture of a rested soul. No matter what is going on in the world around you, you can sleep through it, right? Because you're resting. You're resting in the Lord. Your soul is rested. That's a picture of a rested soul. Despite everything else going on, that that, y'all, that is God's heart for us. Have that kind of rested soul, that we would know that rest for our souls. So we draw from that scripture from Matthew 11 that God's heart is for rest. His heart is for our rest. Another thing we see from this is that easy is a soul word. Easy is a soul word. Now I take that language, that's from some writing of John Ortberg, actually. He, he kind of Put that phrase together. Easy is a soul word. And, and what I mean by that is that we face all kinds of difficulties and we face all kinds of challenges in life, don't we? And sometimes we, sometimes we really tell a story if we are inviting someone to the faith and we're sort of saying like, oh, you come to Jesus and life will be easy, right? All your problems will go away. I mean, the Bible does not say that. Jesus does not say that, right? Um, 
we, Jesus doesn't promise an easy life. We, we were created. We were created as human beings. We were built to take on challenges. We were built to, to fight battles. We were built to love our enemies. You know, the promise is not that life will be easy, but easy is a soul word. So Jesus says if we come to him, it's not that life gets easier. It's not that all our problems go away, but rather we will have a sense of ease in our souls. If we're doing life with him, that, that's, that's then the position we should expect to journey from. And that's the invitation from Jesus. Come. Come to me. Come to me. That's a good invitation. That's an invitation we desperately need to hear. Now, with all of that in mind, we're going to kind of shift gears. and We're going to look at another text and kind of draw out what it means for us as well in relation to rest. And it's a text from Luke 10, um, 38 through 42. And it's the story... Um, it's a story that we're probably, most of us are familiar with. It's the story of Jesus coming to Mary and Martha's home for dinner, okay? And they, the, 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 scripture, the scripture bears out that Jesus and Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus, that they were close, that they were friends. And so they invite Jesus into their home for dinner. You know, I suppose they just wanted to, to chill out, to eat some food, to spend some time together. And this is what happens. Luke 10, 38-42, it says, Jesus and his disciples were on their way, and he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister Mary has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her tell her to come and help. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So we've got these two sisters. We've got them entertaining Jesus in their home, and they're close friends of his, and they are excited to have him over for supper, and they want to have a nice time. And of course, this, this is the story of an outward picture. We see these outward things that are going on. These, these sisters having a guest, showing hospitality, making dinner. We see these outward things going on. But this is really a story or a picture of two souls. It's a story of two souls. Some people come to this story and they just break it down like this. And it's not that this is all incorrect, but I think it's deeper than this. Some people come to this story and they say, activity is bad, passivity is good, right? Martha was active and distracted, that was bad. Mary was passive, sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to him, that's good. Activity is bad, passivity is good. I mean, there's some truth to that, but the story is much deeper than that. I, I believe. I think it's a story about a weary soul and what a weary soul did and what a weary soul should have done. Martha has a weary soul. Martha has a depleted soul. And we can kind of imagine the scene, right? She's in the kitchen. 
She's doing all these things. I mean, I'm sure you all have hosted people before and there's a lot to do to get everything ready. And Martha's doing all of these things. She's excited to have invited Jesus into her home. She wants everything to be nice. She wants it to be a fun evening for everybody. She's trying to do all these things to host Jesus well. And she's in the kitchen and and you don't need to imagine too much to see how the, the pressure is building, right? The pressure is going up here for Martha. Maybe it's from the fact that she's got all these dishes she's cooking. Maybe it's from the fact that she can hear the conversation from the other room going on. I don't know exactly. But something happened. And it was the straw that broke Martha's back. I don't know if it was like, The potatoes were boiling over. Maybe it was that. Maybe she forgot to buy the cream for the dessert at the store, and now the store is closed. She can't get it. Maybe she had a jar of pickles that were part of the recipe, and she could not get the lid open. You ever had that happen? Right? Maybe it was something like that. You know? Maybe it was just that she was irritated by the laughter coming from the other room while she was cooking. We don't know exactly, but something happened, and it really set Martha off. And we can imagine that moment, right? And suddenly, it's Jesus' fault. And suddenly, it's Mary's fault, right? And Martha storms out of the kitchen into the other room and she sounds off with self-pity and with resentment. And we can, you know, we can just hear that in her voice. And she says, don't you care? I mean, can you see the irony in saying that to Jesus? Don't you care, Jesus? Right? She's thinking Jesus doesn't care. She's thinking that Mary is being thoughtless to her. And I think what we see here, or what we are seeing here, is we are seeing a weary soul. We are seeing a depleted soul in Martha. It's not so much that Martha needed help in the kitchen. She needed help for her soul, for her heart. Now, in my car, in my car, if I get very low on fuel, a light comes on on the dashboard. Your car probably has that feature too, right? It's for those procrastinators that don't fill up very often. But if you wait long enough to fill up the car, like they'll, the fuel tank will get low enough that a warning light will come on, right? Low, low fuel light, right? Hey, you know, you might want to go to the gas station now. Get some gas, low fuel. And, and you know, in my car, I cannot see inside the gas tank. I cannot visually see what is going on in there. If it's full, if it's half full, if it's empty, I can't see that. I have to look at the gauges on the dash, you know, the fuel, full, empty, the fuel gauge, or, or just wait for the, the light to come on. Hey, dummy, fill up, you know, you're almost out of gas. And it's the same way with our souls. We can't see into our soul. We can't see, like, is our tank full or is our tank empty. And so we have to look on sort of the dashboard of our life, if you will, to look at the 
indicators or to look for that red light to come on. Like, you're low on fuel. Your soul is depleted. Your soul is weary, right? And when we become maybe resentful or we become irritable, even with people we love, like those might be signs like that gauge or that light coming on, like your soul is weary. Your soul is depleted. And like Martha, it's easy to think that like that is somebody else's fault. Somebody else ought to fix this. But if that's our perspective, then, then, we, miss, then we miss the fact that our souls are really in need of rest. And, and of recharging. I, I wonder if you know what your warning lights are, right? If your soul is depleted, do you know what your warning lights are that will kind of come on, illuminate on the dashboard of your life? Maybe for you it is resentment. Or maybe it's irritability, right? You sort of, in an uncharacteristic way, get very irritable with people around you, people that you love, people in your church, people at your workplace. Maybe you're somebody that becomes more judgmental when your soul is stretched and stressed. Maybe you are someone who tries to escape into overwork, right? If, you, if your soul is stressed or depleted, you spend more time at the office. Maybe if your soul is depleted, you overeat or you overdrink. Or you over-scroll, right? You surf on your device all the time. Do you know what your warning lights are if your soul is depleted? Maybe you become need, Maybe you become numb to the needs of those around you. It's just like you know you should care, but you don't. Maybe you just start feeling sorry for yourself. Maybe you're someone who becomes apathetic and you just kind of disconnect with everything. You just don't care. Maybe you just disengage from God and you find it difficult then to to pray and to connect with God. Do you know what the warning lights are when your own soul is in need of rest? Can you recognize them in your own life? We know that Martha's issue was a soul issue because of Jesus' response to Martha. If Martha's issue was not a soul issue, Jesus could very easily have just said, hey, everybody, let's get up. Let's go to the kitchen, right? I got the potatoes. Mary, you get the broccoli there. You know, we're going to get this done. We're going to have a nice dinner. We're going to have a good time. We're going to hang out tonight. Jesus could have easily said that if this were not a soul issue, if this were just a, a kitchen issue. He could have easily fixed that, but, but he, didn't, he didn't do that. Because that wasn't the real issue. And Jesus will always go for the heart of the issue. He will always go to the root of the problem. And so here he is, and he is talking to a woman who is worried. He is talking to a woman who is upset on the inside. And, you know, just as an aside, like I've learned from experience, that's a dangerous place for a man to be, like talking to a woman who is upset on the inside. But Jesus takes that risk because he loves her, right? He's taking a risk by being honest with Martha while she is very upset and irritated, but Jesus will always be honest with us. He loves us that much. And then he comes to Martha with a, you know, what I would call a gentle rebuke, if you will. 
He comes to her with this gentle rebuke. And maybe he said something like this. I've kind of paraphrased this, but maybe he said something like, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, many things. But actually, you know, supper is not the real issue. You're worried about many things, but supper is not the real issue. Martha, you have stress in your soul. I know and I care. I am here for you. Martha, why are you doing what you are doing when you feel like this? It's being near to me that will refresh your soul. It's sitting at my feet. It's listening to me. It's paying attention to me. That's what's going to bring you peace and strength and rest. Why are you doing what you're doing? Mary has chosen to rest her soul. I'm not going to take that away from her. Because that's the best thing she can do. Maybe he said something like that to her. Because Jesus knows that the best thing for Martha is to rest her soul and to refresh her soul in him. Now, Jesus is not going to force her to do that. He's not going to force her to sit at his feet. He's not going to force her to listen to him. But at the same time, he's not going to answer her prayer in the way that she wants her prayer answered, right? She wants everybody to come to the kitchen and to help in the kitchen. He's not going to answer the prayer that way because he knows that is not going to solve the problem. It's not going to get to the root of this weary soul problem for Martha. Now, why does God put this story in the Bible? Obviously for our benefit, but, but so, I think he puts it there so that we can learn from someone else's mistake. Sometimes that's the best way to learn things is from our own mistakes. It can be painful, but maybe it's easier to learn from somebody else's mistake, right? So maybe God put this here so that we can learn from Martha's mistake. You know, and to wonder, what was it that stopped Martha from coming to Jesus, to sitting at Jesus' feet? to recharging her soul in the presence of Jesus. Why didn't she come and sit with Jesus like, like her sister Mary did? I, I think there's one significant word in this text that answers that question for us. And that word is distraction. And in fact, in verse 40, the text tells us, it says, Martha was distracted. Did you pick up on that? Martha was distracted She let the concerns and the needs of the day take over. She got busy doing other things and not taking care of her soul. Can you relate to that? Yeah, maybe some of us can. And this word distraction, it's an important one for us because distraction is the enemy of intimacy. Distraction is the enemy of intimacy. Well, with anyone in any relationship, but, but particularly with our relationship with God, distraction is the enemy of intimacy. In contrast, in contrast, attention. Attention is a word that we need to know. Attention is what we need to give other people, to have close relationships with them, and for those relationships to, to grow and to flourish. And, and certainly, attention is something we need to give God if we want our relationship with God to grow and to flourish and to be a, a soul-refreshing relationship. But the more that we try to cram into our day or our week or our month, well, guess what? The more distracted we become the more eroded our intimacy with God will 
will become. Distractions are real. It's a real challenge for us in, in the world today. But if we're going to come to Jesus, if we're going to respond to his invitation, he says, come to me, come to me. If we're going to find a place of health and rest for our souls, then, then we've actually got to engage with our distraction and we've got to defeat our distraction in order to give our attention to our relationship with God. How good are you at that? How good are you at dealing with the distractions of your life, which so often prevent us from coming to Jesus? I, I, I know I got a long way to go. I've got a long way to go with that. It's a struggle for me because, you know, busyness and distraction will always, they will always take our attention away from God. And, and it's only when we are attentive to God, it's only when we are resting with God, it's only when we are sitting at Jesus' feet that His rest and His peace and His confidence will begin to invade our hearts and refuel our souls. There's rest in the presence of God. But distraction so often prevents us from resting, from coming to God, from, from receiving these benefits. Now, one last word, one last word to put in front of you today, and that is the word stop. Let me ask you about the word stop, right? Because resting is actually about stopping, stopping, right? How good are you at stopping in your everyday life? And specifically, how good at you are stopping to be with Jesus. We have to learn to stop and to fight the distractions that prevent us from stopping and to be able to come to Jesus and to sit at his feet and to give him our attention and his peace and his rest and his confidence will invade our souls and refuel our souls. And we can find rest. But to stop, it requires, it requires another word. It's not on the screen. But it requires another word, which sometimes we have to say no. We have to say no sometimes to some good things in order to stop and to find rest in the Lord. It's a challenge to stop. It's a challenge to deal with those distractions in our lives. I, I, I know. But Jesus invites us to come to him. Come to him to find rest for our souls. That's what Mary was doing. She was learning. She was listening. But we can't learn and listen from Jesus if we don't stop and if we don't give him our attention. How are you doing? How are you doing with that? Are you stopping to give your attention to Jesus? Are you stopping to spend time in his word? How are you doing in terms of being silent? You know, be still. God says, be still and know that I am God. Being still and silent. It's hard. It's hard. We live in a busy world. We live in a distracted world. How are we doing with this? In order to listen, we have to come to that place of stillness, of stopping, of getting beyond the distractions to find intimacy for our souls with God. Our souls will find rest when we come to him and when we listen to his invitation. Come to me, all you who are weary 
and are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. And Jesus can offer this rest because of everything he has done for us on the cross. He's done everything to provide for us. He's done everything to protect us. He's done everything to empower us. He's done it all. And he simply invites us to come unto him, to stop, to set aside the distractions, to come unto him and to find rest for our souls. Amen.